How many of you know uh, what FRC stands for? How do you know the organization FRC? Not, not the Family Research Council. No, no, not Tony Perkins. No, this is something much, much bigger. You got FRC? It's called the Flannery Road Cat Society. <laughs> and so, some of you that, that understand where, where we're going, during the freeze, uh, I walked out and, and in our front yard, there was this sign. <laughs> okay, none of that happened. None of that's true. It's all made up. There is no Flannery Road Cat Society, uh, even though I'm, I'm, I need to tell you, Ben grew up with two cats. I just thought, you know, where we grew up, Pastor Ben had two cats, and we have, I don't know what happened to him about cats in life, but something's happened to him about cats in life. Um, I, I don't get, I'm Pastor Ben's father, those of you that, we, there's a lot of new people that may not know who I am. And, uh, but let me just tell you something about uh, Pastor Ben that won't, he won't tell you. Um, they, he had a heart to be a lawyer, and uh, when he set his mind to it, he was valedictorian of his high school, summa cum laude, out of college. And he got into University of Virginia Law School, which is a top 10 law school. And uh, uh, they take, I forgot, it's 20 or 25 people out of state. They only take into Virginia Law School. And uh, he got, he was, you know, it, uh, that is a feeder uh, school for uh, Washington. Many of the people in Washington uh, came out of University of Virginia Law School. That may be what's wrong with uh, America, but uh, many of them did that. And he, you know, his first year, I remember we were watching a program one time, and in this program, it was a lawyer uh, show, and this person had a UVA law school degree on his wall, and they made a big deal about it. I remember uh, calling Ben, telling me, Ben, I just heard about, uh, you know, I just saw this show, and this guy had a UVA law school and made a big deal about it. And I remember he was quiet about it. He didn't say anything. And within the next few weeks, he'd call and said, you know what? This is not my calling in life. He said, uh, he went to Washington, interviewed and sought all this and that. He said, you know, that's not my calling in life. You know, he walked away from all of that to come and pastor this church. And that's great. Everybody say amen. And I'm going to tell you, it is amazing. I sit here, uh, I've got a friend that's, uh, uh, his, his son also took over, Brother Larry Stocksdale. Larry and I have talked through the years. We talk, it's amazing to sit in your, in your church and to be fed by your son. Isn't that great? And I'm going to tell you how hard it is to Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to bring depth. You can be deep and wide. You can include everybody, but you can have depth to it. And I just want to honor, the Bible says, honor those that need to be honored, and he needs to be honored. Everybody say amen one more time. Amen. Okay, today we're going to talk about circumstances. Everybody say circumstances. That's like you're going along great of March of 19, of 2020, and suddenly there comes into the world something you've never heard of and never, never could pronounce to until you got along with something called COVID-19. It comes and hits. It's a circumstance that literally changes your life. I think we will be almost one year within, uh, my husband told me it'd be a year in about a week or two. It'd be one year that our lives have been disrupted in one way or the other. And so today I want to talk to you about circumstances. Everybody say circumstances one more time, would you? All right, let's read our passage. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not, uh, but not driven to despair. 
Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, the Apostle Paul did not live an easy life. His life was not a bed of roses. His life was not something just, just kumbaya. And, and, and when, he lived a life that was full of difficult circumstances. We get that word circumstance from a Latin word, which means circum, which means a, we get circle, or something to, around. And stance, you know, that's a stand. So a, a circumstance is something that comes and stands around. A circumstance is something like a, like a COVID-19 that comes out of the blue and just stands around. It's stood around for a year so far. Hadn't left. It's still around. And that's what we're talking about. It's that you're just having a great year, a great week, a great day. And suddenly this thing comes into your life. And maybe you can handle that thing. But then number two, number three, number four, number five comes into your life. And uh, one of the keys is how many know there's more problems in the world than COVID-19? You must say there's still problems in the world. Did you know before COVID-19 came in, you had problems? Come on. Do you remember that? You had problems before COVID-19 came in. Now, I think a good thing was it must have killed the, uh, must have killed the flu because I hadn't heard much about the flu. So it must have killed the flu, whatever it did. Ephesians 6 says this way. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the what? In the what? Have you found that there's some days more evil than other days in your life? In fact, you look what happened with Jesus. It says the devil in Luke 4 says, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him forever and ever and ever and ever. Is that what it says? After the devil had finished every temptation, when you feel like in your heart, man, ain't nothing else can happen to me. That's every, I mean, I've gone through everything. There is nothing else can go on in my life. And the Bible says after the devil had finished every temptation, he says he departed from him until there was an opportune time. And I don't know about you, there'll be times in your life when you will have opportune days. When the day, you just say in your heart, this is an evil day. Man, this is an evil day. I mean, Webster defines circumstance as something you cannot change with your own will. That's how Webster defines a circumstance. Something that you cannot change with your own will. And uh, that's why they call circumstance. You cannot do anything about it. Circumstance is something that, uh, uh, that, that threatens you. It comes into your life and it changes. Ha- it happens, I mean, suddenly. I mean, circumstances can happen suddenly. I mean, you can be walking along in life and suddenly the lights go out. been through the years i've had some i've had some of my illustrations backfire on me so <laughs> we, we 
We had one one time where I did a uh, I did an incense burning where I had a coals up here. We did the altar of incense, and uh, Mike Bush had told me he said, "Listen, mix some gunpowder with the incense. It makes it. It gives it a poof." I said, my, I said, Mike, I'm not putting no gunpowder. Oh, no, no, no. So he, we got some and we put, we ground up gunpowder and incense and it does. I mean, you throw it on the coals, on coals and it goes, it makes it, gives it a poof, makes it more, you know, uh, so it was nice. So I had a big old uh, sensor of it and I was swinging this sensor up here. What I did not know was the gunpowder was heavier than the incense. And all the gunpowder worked its way down to the bottom of the, of the sensor. At the end, my idea was I was going to empty the incense thing on top of the ball. I emptied that thing. It blew up. I mean, the saints were on the run, out the doors and everywhere. There was, a, there was no altar call, nothing. Everybody was on the run. And so we've, I've had a few of them. I can tell you a few more that we've gone wrong. But circumstances can change suddenly. That can happen just like that in your life. I mean, you're just having a great day, a great week, a great year, and suddenly everything changes. The lights go out on you. John chapter 11, I love this about the Lord. It says, so when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he got all nervous, all upset. What in the world's going on? The Bible says he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Let me tell you something about God. God does not get nervous because COVID-19 has hit the world. God is not in the news. What? Some angel did not come to God and say, what? What happened? Yeah, how many know that God knew of this millions of years ago? God knew this. The Bible says that, listen, before the foundations of the world, Jesus was crucified. Long before you ever needed a Savior, there was a Savior waiting for you. Long before you ever knew you had a need, the Savior was waiting. And long before COVID ever hit this world, God knew about it. And God's in control of it all. He's not nervous. You know, I remember there was a prophecy one time. We used to have a lot of young people that was growing in the gifts and growing and whatever. I remember there was a, a guy gave a prophetic word one time. He says, yea, thus saith the Lord, I know the problem you're in and I'll think of something. Come on, somebody. <laughs> How many know God doesn't have to think of anything? He is. And I love what it says in John 6. It says, Lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. So I'm going to tell you something about your case. He may ask you, what are we going to do? But he knows already what he's going to do. God doesn't have to think of something. He is something. So let me give you three words for uh, circumstance. Let me give you three turnaround words, three words that will help you when you face a circumstance this week coming up. I want you to remember these three, uh, three words. They all start with P. I like alliteration. It helps you remember. The first one is prayer. Everybody, everybody say prayer. Now, I remember we, uh, uh, we, uh, uh, a little boy, we had a prayer meeting going on at the time. I'll never and, and one of the guys was walking, I didn't hear this myself, but one of the guys walking by and he heard a little boy, he was, I guess the little boy was intensely praying, intensely praying. And, and he was, you know, he said, well, look at that, he's got a heart for, look at that, he's got a heart for God. And suddenly he walked by and he heard, he heard the little boy go, Tokyo. Tokyo, Tokyo. And he said, he thought, what in the world? And every time he walked by, he could hear this little boy go, Tokyo. I mean, with fervency. And afterwards, he asked the little boy, what were you praying for? He said, I, I just took my geography. I'm praying that, that God makes Tokyo the capital of France. Come on, somebody. <laughs> let, let me give you, let me talk about prayer in terms of circumstances. Uh, Romans 8 and verse 26 says it this way. 
Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Now, let's read that again. Likewise, the Spirit does it all for us. Is that what it says? Have anybody help you? When somebody helps you, that doesn't mean they're going to do it all for you. Kenny and I, uh, if you remember Kenny, Kenny and I were one time helping somebody move. And I remember we were, we were loading this big couch going up the yard. And we look up there and there's the guy sitting on the front porch with a, with a glass of lemonade. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the Bible says the Spirit helps us. Now, get this. Helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep. Four words. Now, remember, a circumstance is something you can't do anything about in your own will. And, and, and frankly, we don't understand why circumstances come to us sometimes. Because how many of everything hits you and you have idea, no idea why? Uh, why, why? And one of the keys is this. Is if you just pray out of your mentality, your mentality didn't know why it came. So your mentality is not going to be able to get it, get it gone. You got to learn that there is deeper things than just your knowing. If God is as big as your brain, you got a small God. And some of you got smaller gods than other gods. Come on. If you're, if God is only as big as your brain, there is more to life than, I remember one time we went to Israel back in the eighties. And I remember I had a group with me and we had a guide who was next military, uh, of Israel, uh, 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 in Israel. And I remember this, this, uh, person we brought from another country looked down at this Israeli as if he was a third world country bumpkin. And I remember, and the guy was trying to explain to him something about his camera and uh, he wouldn't listen. He said, I, I know, I, I, well, he had bought this brand new back and he, for the entire trip, he had the camera turned backwards. Come on. Sir. He had he had about 150 pictures of his nose. But when you understand there's more to your than your intellect, there's you're, you're more than your mind. You're you're a spirit also. And there are more truths in the world than your mind can comprehend just off the bat. And so the Bible says God has given us a helper to help us through things. And so it's important that when we pray, we just don't pray from a mental perspective, though you do that. Paul said, I pray with my mind. I pray with my spirit. There is, but there's a, there's a more depth to it. And uh, we don't just understand how to get them to leave. Uh, we have to understand how in the spirit, God begins to use the spirit of God to help us. And Romans eight twenty six says it again. It says, <clears throat> likewise, the spirit helps. And the word helps means take hold together with Against. Everybody say that with me. Say, take hold together with against. So what that does is it says the spirit will take hold together with us against whatever it is we're facing. So when I'm in a situation, when a circumstance is coming to my life, if I feel like this is an evil day, this is going down. Then I say, I, I need, listen, I need help. And the way I get help is I go into prayer. But the way I go into prayer is I go into prayer not thinking I want God to do it all by himself. I know that God has sent a helper and that's somebody to take hold together against this thing with me. In fact, in the in the uh, classical Greek language, it was used of someone who is picking up a log too heavy for them. And a friend uh, some uh, gets on the other end of the log. And picks up the other end of, of whatever it is they're trying to pick up that log. 
So it's like, I don't know if you've ever had a log. We were cutting a lot of trees down. And, and some of these things are just, just, I saw one poor guy, he drew him, he wanted to get some firewood. And I saw him trying to pick up this one piece. He just, and, and so I saw some of the guys come over and help him load it. Well, that's what the Spirit of God does. When you begin to pray and you're in a circumstance that you don't know why it came into your life or how to get it out of your life. But the Lord says, God has given us a spirit to help. Not do it all for us, but to help us take hold of against that thing. And so it's like this. It's, it's like it, the worst thing you can do is sit when you're going through something and say, why God? Why, when, God, when are you going to get rid of it? When are you going to deal with this? When are you going to do something about this? And the Spirit is saying, when you take up your end of the log, I'll pick up my end of the log. You pick up your end of the log, I'll take up. You know, the Bible says that, that, that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to both do and will of his own good nature. Did, did you get that of his own good will? Did you get that? It says, Paul said, you work out your own salvation. It is because it is God who's working in you to do both do, do of his good will. So the idea is, that here's my philosophy in my life. I do everything as if all depends on me, knowing all depends on him. I do all as if all depends on me, knowing, listen, knowing that it all depends on him. Pastor, will you take the vaccine? Absolutely, I'll take the vaccine. I think doctors are God-given. Come on, somebody. I, I believe. But I know this. Without God, he'll do me no good. Because it's only 95%. Come on, I you got 5%. I remember John, John Osteen, one of my favorite guys. He got up one time and he said, he had a big group that, w- that was against medicine in his church. He said, I have decided in my life I'm no longer going to take aspirin ever again. And this group stood up and cheered. I'm going to Tylenol. Come on, so I'm going to Tylenol. <laughs> so when the Spirit will help us. It won't do it all for us. Sometimes you want God to do it all for you. And God says, "This I gave you a helper. A helper. Someone to help you. Not do it for you. Israel thought that God would do it for them without them. But what God did was, he conquered the land of Israel. He did it through them, with them. And so what God wants to do in your life, he wants to do it with you, through you. The Spirit will say, you got your end? You got your end? You got your end? Stop complaining. But but if you just sit there and, and moan and complain and say, God, why don't you do something? God says, won't you pick up your end of the log? You pick up your end of the log and I'll pick up my end of the log. Romans 8 says it helps our weaknesses. Weaknesses. How many, how many, got, how many, how many need to be propped up on every leaning side? Come on. How, how many of you are a little bit weak in some areas of your life? The Spirit comes to help our weaknesses. You've been hit so hard. You know, when I, when I grew up, I used to fight a lot. I told you, I used to fight a lot. I mean, I used, I, I, I was, I was going to church, but I was a fighter. And so we would fight, we'd fight on the weekends. I remember I took my SAT uh, test. Uh, I had bandages all over me. I'd been, you know, da, da, da. And I remember the key was is if you, what you want to do is you want to hit them hard the first time before they hit you. As hard as you can hit them, because I may only have one shot at this, and so I used to hit them as hard as I could hit them, and because you, it numbs you. When you get hit, it kind of just numbs you, if you've ever been hit on like that. And so what happens is the devil comes, 
And he hits you so hard it numbs you. It gets you weak. You become weak. You just, your knees begin to buckle and all the rest. And so weaknesses, the circumstances hit you so hard, your loss of a job, a, a sickness, a death, whatever it may be, a circumstance. And the Holy Spirit comes in and says, listen, I'm here. And if you'll pick up your end, I'll pick up the other end. I'll help you through this thing. You pick it up. I'll do the other part. Jim Elliott said, uh, he was a martyred missionary many years ago. He said, the Christian that advances on his knees never retreats. The Christian that advances on his knees never needs to retreat. All right, that's number one. The second word I want to give you for circumstances this week is purpose. Everybody say purpose. All right, look at Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. To those who are called according to his purpose. Now, purpose is a very, very important word in your life. You may think that you are randomly, that you were a mistake, that you came into the, into the world by accident. Let me tell you, there's not a person born that God does not have a purpose for your life. There is a purpose for your life. And then beyond that, God has a purpose. Beyond that, God has a purpose. <coughs> so there's always a purpose. Purpose is always bigger than circumstance. When we when COVID nineteen hit, uh, it was a challenge for everybody. Beginning, it was a fearful thing. It was a lot of fear and a lot of hearts uh, as it began to progress. You know, less and less. But it still isn't. You've got to understand. In every circumstance, there is something called purpose that can override and swallow up circumstances. When you learn that there is a purpose of that God was not caught by surprise. That God's purpose is going to be fulfilled. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. I said, I've learned this years ago. The answer is not in the White House. The answer is in God's house. Come on. And you learn that purpose swallows up circumstance. God listen. God measures your life by the perp, by your purpose. He doesn't measure your life by years. God does not measure your life by years. God does not measure your life by years. God does not measure your life by years. God measures your life by purpose. Jesus at 33 and a half years old said this. It is what? Finished. 33 and a half. I said, Lord, why didn't you leave him down here for about another 50 years? It had been a whole lot. But, you know, let him be 80, 90 years old. He had 33 years old. He had finished his purpose. Paul said this. He said, I have run my race. I have run. The, I finished the course. Well, why don't he live another 10 years or another 20 years? Or, no, 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 no. God measures your life by your purpose. Not by years. Not by years. Everybody, you know, the, the, there's those that die young and those that die old. God measures your life by your purpose. Stephen was a young man in the early church. And the Bible says that when he was stoned, that the, the, that devout men took him to his burial, making loud lamentations about him. But I'm going to tell you, they thought, oh, he died early. He died what a, a wasted life could have been. But the Bible says this, there was another young man watching him named Saul of Tarsus, who before that torch ever hit the ground, he picked that torch up and, and, and wrote over half the New Testament and preached the gospel around the world. And I'm going to tell you that his purpose 
Stephen's purpose was fulfilled and the day will come. Listen, there's not something the Bible says you give a cup of cold water and you'll receive a prophet's reward. They, listen, the day comes when the apostle Paul gets his reward. Guess who's going to be standing right beside him? Stephen, the martyr who laid his life down so that Paul on the road to Damascus would, would the spirit would say to him, it is hard to kick against the pricks. It is hard. You know what's happening in, in Saul's life? He watched Stephen die on that when he stoned under him. Stephen prayed, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Lord, the Bible says Saul was holding all the garments of people stoning. And he watched that young man give mercy and forgiveness to those that were killing him. And it pricked his heart and pricked his heart. And until on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears and says, Isn't it hard to kick against the pricks? His heart was being pricked. By what he saw in Stephen's life. So your life is not measured by years. Your life is measured by your purpose. You can come like the Apostle Paul and say, I've I've finished my my course. It's okay. I'm finished. And I've always said this. Read the Bible. There was a man one time, a king of Israel, who who the prophet came and said, listen, you're going to die. You're not going to recover from this. Now, get your house in order. And he began to weep and pray. And he said, God, you know how faithful I've been. God, give me, add more years back to my life. And you ought to read what Hezekiah, you know what he did? God said, okay, that's what he wants. He added 15 years to his life. Seven years into those 15 extra years he got, he had a son born to him. And that son that would never have been became king after him. And he was one of the worst kings ever. He tore down everything his father had done for, for righteousness. He tore down everything. I'm going to tell you, when God tells you it's your time, okay, God, I'm heading on to heaven, ready to roll. Because heaven is better than South Louisiana. I just want you to know that. It really is. It's better than South Louisiana. It, re- it really is. I know nobody wants to die. You know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go right now. I understand that. But there will be a time when it's finished. And then, listen, I'll tell you, when we get there, we'll look at the, whoa, you know, you miss, you miss crawfish. I don't miss crawfish. No, I don't miss crawfish whatsoever. All right. So purpose swallows up circumstance. Purpose swallows up. I love what Paul said in Acts chapter 27, 24. He said, do not be afraid. Paul is on a ship. He is heading uh, to Rome. And the Bible says, a, he tells them, don't go, and the ship captain goes anyway, and the ship is at sea, and, a, and a, they call it Eurachlodon, comes down suddenly, and they're in, a, they're in a typhoon for 14 days. I know we had a bad week, but they were in a typhoon for 14 days. It says all hope was gone. We were in, there, he was in a circumstance. Not to his own doing. And he said, all hope is gone. And notice what he said. Verse 24 says, in the middle of that, an angel comes to Paul. An angel comes and says, do not be afraid, Paul. You, everybody say must. One of the biggest things about when you get purpose in your life is the must comes back in your life. You stop the meandering. You stop the, just the, you know, a must come back in your life. And this angel does not make, angels don't make up their own messages. This is straight from the mouth of God. And he comes to Paul and he looks at Paul and says, you must. There's no ands, ifs, or buts. You must, you must, you must stand before Caesar. Now I know about you, in the midst of this circumstance where 
It, all hope, the Bible says, if you read the book of Acts, all hope was gone. They said they abandoned, they jettisoned all the cargo. They'd done everything they could do. And they had not seen the sun in 14 days. And they were driven. What happened was this ship was driven with this typhoon. The typhoon left this area, but the ship was with it. It was being, it was being driven with this typhoon. They were in the middle of it. They couldn't stop. They couldn't anchor. They couldn't, you know, it was rolling. They couldn't get out of it. So they just went along with the typhoon for 14 days. And so circumstances looked horrible. And this angel says, Paul, there's a must coming into your life. You must, you must, you must, you must, you must stand before. See, so what, think that, what does that mean? That means we're not going to die in this storm. That means I'm going to live beyond this typhoon. I know it looks hopeless. And you ought to read it because at <laughs> a little while, the Bible says, Paul said, uh, get some food, would you? And would you pass the great poupon? And so he, he started making him a little bit of stuff and he started eating. The Bible says when they saw him eating, they all started eating. They had nobody eaten in 14 days. But when you get purpose, you understand there's an individual purpose and then there's an overall purpose of the living God. When you get purpose back in your life, COVID-19 cannot overwhelm you. The world can, your, your, your money situation, your family situation, your physical situation, your mental, your, your spiritual, nothing can overwhelm you when you understand that purpose swallows up, swallows up. He says, don't be, everybody say, don't be afraid. You see what it says? Don't be afraid, Paul. Don't be afraid. It's one of the things that happens. One of the symptoms of circumstances is nervousness and, and fearfulness of being afraid. Some of you need to get that must back in your life. Look what Paul wrote. I mean, after this, look what happened. Verse 27. But we must. Everybody say must. And he said, why is that? He said, he said God and angels came to me and told me that no life will be lost. Because God has granted. The angels told Paul that God's granted your life and those with you. And so Paul says, you will not, there, there, there will be no loss of life, but we must. Now I said, why, why is that? You know what happened? Where that ship ran aground, there was a great revival took place. Paul went on this island. He had a healing ministry take place. And the Bible says a whole island turned into the Lord. Everybody say must. See, there, there, you get a purpose. You get a must back in your life. The circumstance. And ship running ground. I love this because when they were when they when they were on that island, Paul, you know, he escaped the sea, and then look what happens to him. You talk about circumstance after circumstance. Look what happens to him. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now the Bible says, "Don't be afraid of sudden fear." How many have been a little bit nervous right then? Big old water moccasin came out, latches onto your hand. I mean, it dug its fangs into his, into his hand. And the Bible says the, uh, the natives looked and said, well, because even though he escaped the sea, uh, fate has got him to where it's going to kill him. But you know what I think Paul said? Is your name Caesar? Come on, somebody. Because <laughs> I got to stand before, I must, come on, I must stand before Caesar. I'm not going to die on some island. I knew the ship was going to wreck. The Lord had told me. But the Lord also told me, I've got a purpose bigger than this, this, this circumstance that just latched onto my hand. I'm going to Rome. I will stand before Caesar. So the Bible says he just shook it off in the fire. 
That's wherever devil ought to go, right back into the fire and just shake it off into the fire. Hallelujah. So I must stand before Caesar. You know, just the purpose. You know, one day you, you learn God teaches you purpose. He, he learns this aggravating. You can get huge circumstances. You can get just aggravating circumstances. I remember one time I took over the church about a year into in ministry back in like 1980. I was, uh, I was, uh, um, over in Zachary at Zachary Memorial at the hospital over in Zachary visiting somebody. And back in the 80s, believe this or not, there was no such thing as cell phones. You had, I had to use a pay phone. That's what a nickel. You kept nickels in your pocket because you went there and, and you put nickel. All you could do to try to do a, a collect call. But I had nickel in my pocket. And so I was over there and what we did, my, I had my secretary. She was looking up an address over in Zachary of a family that, that had some issues going on. And I was going to leave the hospital and go to that family and, 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 and minister to them. And so I said, well, when I get done with the hospital, I'll just call you and find the address. So we have six, we had six telephone lines. We had six lines coming in, you know, so there's never a busy number. I remember I finished hospital. I put that nickel in that thing. Beep, 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 busy. Uh, you ever see, you ever seen that thing? But uh, it, it was busy. So I, I, said, okay, well, I said, what in the world? I said, what in the world? So I call for almost an hour and 10 minutes. I call 225-275-5255. I knew the number by heart. And almost over an hour or something, hello? How many know my attitude was not the correct attitude? I said, what in the world? Oh, I'm so sorry, Pastor Terry. I went out to get the mail and, and I put the phones on hold. And when I got out there, somebody needed a prayer. And so we've been praying outside. And, the, you know, I said, give me the, give me the address. So I got the address. I'm going out on this country road. I make a curve. I'll never forget. It was a long stretch there. I saw a car come that way and flip over the ditch and flip and roll over in the field. So I I run up real fast. I jump out. I I run to the car. The car has set up. It just happened to turn. It set up right. I help the door. I know better than to move them, you know, me. So I didn't do that. But I look at him and he looks at me and we know each other. And realized he was a fella that used to go with me to the Livingston Parish Prison. We used to go down there and minister to the, to the, and he had backslidden away from God. How many know he was ready to get saved again? Come on, somebody. But how many know for an hour and 10 minutes that phone stayed on at circumstance, at aggravating circumstance was taking place? How many know I repented after that? How many know I repented of, of being aggravated? And you know what God can do? Listen, when you understand that there's a purpose that swallows up circumstances. You know, I love this in Acts 12. It, it, it's Peter. He says, when he had parted from them, he said, sell. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, go, on, go on to Acts. I'm, I'm, go to Acts 12. Oh, I, you got Acts 21. Did I write it down wrong? I very well could have. Let me give you this. In Acts 12, 1 through 7, it's when Peter is in prison. And uh, he is between, I think it was 12 guards they had. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord came in. I love this phrase there. It says, he had to smoke Peter. You know why? Now, I'm I'm not going to ask if your spouse snores or not. I'm not going to ask that in South Louisiana with with sinus. I'm not going to ask that. But you can imagine Peter is snoring so loud. The Bible says the angel came in and didn't just just say, Peter, Peter, Peter. 
the Bible says, the angel smote him and just smacked him awake. And you know why? Because he was in, the, the Bible says the next morning he was to be executed. And they just executed James. So what gave any pretense that it was, but the Bible says he was just sitting there sound so deep in sleep, the angel had to smite him uh, on the side of it. And so Peter got up and walked. You know why I believe that is? B- because, go to the next scripture, go to Acts, uh, 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 yeah, laid hands on some of those who belong to the church. And uh, they did. now go to the next one, go to uh, John chapter 21. And watch this one, John chapter 21, do I have that one? I don't, I messed them all up. When I get them going back there, John 12 says this. This is when Jesus has them at the shoreline. And uh, he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And then he said this. He said, Peter, the day is coming. You've been young, but the day is coming when you're going to be old. And another, you've gone where you want to go when you're young, but when you're old, another will lead you. Another will lead you and you'll go where you don't want to go. When you grow old, what, what, what purpose can I get in my brain is I'm going to live to be old. And I believe when they grabbed Peter as a young guy and they put him in that prison cell, he said, you know what, Jesus, Jesus told me I was going to be old. So I can just go out and just sleep. You know, I can just sleep. And so everybody say, everybody say purpose, would you? Purpose. Purpose is bigger than circumstance. And then the last one this morning is persuaded. Everybody say Persuaded. All right, Romans 8 and 38. For I am persuaded that neither death... Now, watch this. I am persuaded. I am... I remember Brother Eccles used to tell me, he says, most of the people just think that they are. Just, just, just guess that they are. Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death or life or angels or principalities or powers or things present, things to come... What uh, shall be able to separate us from... So Paul said, I am persuaded. And so the first thing you do is you pray. You pick up your end of the log. Then you get in your life that must again. I must. I must do it. I've got purpose. And the third thing is, is you get persuaded. And one of the things you do to get persuaded is verse 31. Let's read that now. What shall we say to these things if God is for us? One of the first things you ought to get persuaded for in your life is this, that God is for me. I mean, the devil will whisper all day in your ear, God hates you. God doesn't like you. You're you're just this. You're just that. God is mad at you. God's upset with you. You're not really saved. You're not going to make it. And and you've got to get persuaded in your mind. God is for me. I remember you might come to me and say, why would God be for me? I don't know. Come on. I, I, I don't have a clue why he'd be for you. But he is for you. Before the world ever came to pass. Before you ever said, Lord, forgive me. The Bible says he poured his blood out to save you. He loved you before the foundations of the world. He prepared a way for you. Listen, God is for me. One of the big things. I remember back in the back, uh, what's happened in our school, uh, uh, a teacher had brought a big thing of apples. And uh, it was a lot of teenage boys. So she put a sign on there. Take one apple only, please. God is watching. i never forget. Another mama, another mama had brought a big plate of cookies over here, put them over here. And some of the kids had written down, uh, take all you want. God's watching the apples. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we feel like that sometimes. 
God's watching somebody else, but he's not watching me. He's looking out after somebody else, but he's not looking out after me. You know, God's watching the big picture, but he doesn't care about these little bits. Let me tell you something. You've got to get persuaded. There's some persuasion. There's an old uh, uh, English movie, Jasmine, I like to watch. It's called Persuasion. You've got to get persuaded. You've got to get persuaded. You've got to pray. You've got to seek God. You've got to read the scriptures, memorize them, until somewhere in that little psyche of yours, you get persuaded that God is for you. God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. And Paul said, I am persuaded. What shall we say to this? If God is for us. And when you get persuaded of that, listen, all kinds of dominoes begin to fall in your life. When you get persuaded that God is for you, all kinds of things begin to transpire. Your brain gets a different, a different groove in it. When you begin to believe that God is for you. God is for me. God is for me. If God be on my side, what will I fear what men will do unto me? If God is on my side, you begin to understand that if had the Lord been on my side, where would it have been? Verse 32 says this. It says, listen, it says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give all things? Let me tell you one time, Ben got his eye scratched real bad and I took him in to an eye doctor. And I remember we were, we got to go on a long trip. And, uh, so we had to get something. This doctor, they had to hold his eye open to put all this. And Ben's crying. He said, Daddy, help me. I'm about to slug a doctor. Come on, help me. How many know this? Sometimes you just, you just go, oh, Lord, I, I, but let me tell you something. The Bible says, if he gave up his son for us. Listen, if you wonder if God loves you, wonder no more. He gave his only begotten son. He gave his only son for you. Not one of you is better than another one. We're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he gave his son for everybody. So in your life, wonder no more if God is for me or not. Listen, because God is for us, who, who can be against us? The problem is you're asking the wrong question. When... In fact, let me give you two different words that one ought to replace the other one. If when you circumstances come in your life and if the word comes into your life, why? You got the wrong word in your life. What you need is you need to get rid of that word and replace it with the word who. <laughs> Instead of saying, why COVID-19? Why this? Why did I lose my why? Why? Put over here. It says, who can stand against me? If God is for me, you think COVID-19 is bigger than an angel? You think it's stronger than an angel? You think it's more than principality? Who is this? If God is for us, who can be against us? So you replace it. You replace the why with the who. Look what it says in verse 33. It says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Go to the next one. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed interceded for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Listen, replace why with who. Begin to be persuaded that God is for you. And, and this week, or this month, or this year, when a circumstance hits your life, stop the whys. 
And say, who can be against me? God is for me. God loves me. God cares about me. God's watching over me. He's not just over the apples. He's over the, he's over everybody. He's not over the good, the pastor. He doesn't watch over just over the pastors. He watches over everybody. And so replace the who, the wise with the who. Believe in God. Who? If God be for us. You know this, when David and Goliath, that sin took place. The Bible says he was a young boy and God and his father sent him to the, to the battlefront to bring some food to his brothers. And, and Goliath would come out every day and say, send me up uh, an Israelite to fight with me. And the Bible says all Israel was saying, why God? Why did you do this? Why God? Why is this problem? Why is this going on? And when David came on the scene, you know what David did? David didn't say why. You know what David said? Who is this Philistine? Replace your whys with your who. We're going to do one more song and end this morning. This is a song. It's not his favorite song, but it works with my sermon. This is, this is Carmen one more time. And I believe this is called Saved, Healed, and Delivered. Let's do this one. How many of you know tonight that there is a God in heaven who saves, who delivers, and who heals? Do you know that here tonight? God's love for you goes on and on when other hearts have failed. This love forgave from Calvary's cross where that love was nailed. But you must believe He wants the best
to stay Then I know there's a God in heaven And He saves, He delivers And He heals For He gave His Son The Lamb of God He's the Savior The Scripture reveals We are going to set aside all our doubts Set aside all stand up today, would you? You know, the Bible says one time there was a, a situation taking place called uh, Elisha was a prophet under Elijah. And when Elisha became the main prophet, <coughs> it says that uh, one day this army came against him. And Elijah was sound asleep in, the, in his tent. And this servant came out of the tent and looked and saw the, this this army all around them about to kill him. And he goes back in. He says, Elijah, Elijah, wake up, wake up. And Elijah comes out and he looks. And here's what Elijah prays. He said, God, open the eyes of my servant. And suddenly this servant looked at this circumstance. Same circumstance he just looked at. He looked at this circumstance. And the Bible says he saw chariots of fire on the backside of all of these other he, he just and it says and it says there was more with them that was against them Billy Graham was what time Billy Graham preaches he said the Bible says when God kicked Satan out of heaven he kicked out one third of the angels that means 
that demons are outnumbered two to one. Come on, somebody. That means that means the devil is outnumbered two to one. You know, you may feel surrounded this morning by circumstances. You may feel like you're completely surrounded. You may have come in here hopeless like Paul. You may have come here this morning completely surrounded. But I've been praying this morning that God would open your eyes. And that you would see that there's more with you than with them. There is more with you. There's more for you. I want to sing this song. This is how we fight our battles. Out of get beyond the mental thing. Get me, let God be in. Come on, let's sing this in India. Everybody sing it with it. Come on. never really made that first step and you're not persuaded God's for you and you, you you know that literally if you were to die today you wouldn't make heaven your home and you know that and so today there's something stirred in your heart something stirred inside you you don't know you don't understand it you just just know you know something's been stirred and what that is that's God that's your creator that's calling you back home that's your father that's loved you before you ever knew him he gave his son to die in your place to pay for your price, to pay all the things you've done wrong. And God loved you. The Bible says, before we ever knew Him, God loved us. He loved us first. And so I want every eye closed. I want to ask you a question. Are you here and you'd like to say, you know what? 
I need need God in my life. I need forgiveness. I need a new start. I need to start over. Well, this morning there is a place. And that place is right here, right now. Not tomorrow. Don't let the devil tell you, go wait till tomorrow. No, 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 no. That's the devil. God says, now is the day of salvation. Now, right now, right now. So I want everybody, I'm going to pray a prayer to help you pray. You may not be used to praying. And we're going to all pray. And I want you to pray this. And just in your heart, just ask God, God, do this. Say, dear God, forgive me. I am a sinner. I need forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and paying my price. I surrender my life totally. Take control. Invade my life. Cleanse me. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. Give another good clap off the would you? There's a number. There's a number to text. If you would do this, if, if, if God did something in your life, would you text this number right here? And we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything but send you some material, a little video that we put together to tell you what to do next. Because sometimes you what do I do next? Well, text that number and they'll help you do that. Everybody say amen today. Listen, listen, all the balls, take them home with you. Would you do that? All the balls are free to take home.